but about two years ago, I was raped. There's a lot of anger. We're not being manly enough. There are two ideas about safe spaces. My understanding of the world changed. And I felt numb. Are you a man or a mouse? I was alone. I couldn't bring myself to say it. I was lost. All I wanted was to be able to share my experience, what was happening to me with someone. All right, everyone. Welcome to Safe Place for Men. All right, this is your male survivor, resiliency and leadership and development coach, Thomas Edward, coming to you, of course, from Sacramento, California, here in January of 2021. So happy new year to everyone, and thank you so much for being here. I'm excited. I'm excited about what we're going to create in this new year, excited about some of the different projects that I'm working on, excited about some of the, the workshops, you know, uh, that are coming up in the future, excited because it's actually raining in California. <laughs> so there's water, there's water. So I'm excited uh, about that. But there's something I'm even more excited about, of course, that I have to share with you. And that is that's right, everybody. Happy birthday. All right. So if you've gone up to the website, you notice that for me, this is year number 20. So celebrating 20 years of coaching and working with male survivors. And I remember it just like it was yesterday in Seattle in that cold, what was the first uh, three-day weekend <laughs> workshop we had. And at the end, it was called uh, like Camp Soul Searching. And uh, so it was um, about eight, eight or nine guys of us. We got together and we just, you know, started working on different uh, issues that were affected by uh, the sexual abuse or marriages or raising kids and children. And we did it kind of out in the wilderness. We were tenting. And, and to this day, a lot of those guys are still real close best friends. So, you know, happy birthday, John. So uh, happy birthday, Jason. Happy birthday, Lloyd. Happy birthday, Doug. All those guys out there. And so glad that you're still, still part of my life. So that's why I said that's what I love about doing what I do because you can create family and you guys know I am totally about consciously creating family right in this area on this realm when we're talking about dealing with the sexual abuse so yes happy birthday and I think I'm just as excited today as I was I'm gonna say uh, 20 years ago so still got some passion left in in me and uh, that's because there are still individuals out there and I'm gonna say because there are still individuals out there that are supporting me and encouraging me to go because there have been times you know when I was going through this and it's like man I don't know if I can handle this anymore I don't know if I want to want to do this anymore you know all the backlash and stuff that I that I was getting and I remember because um during that time, I actually had a radio show, and so I had a radio show there in Seattle, and so we would take calls. I think the time I was given, it was like Sunday night from 9 to, was it 9 to 10 or 9? Oh, 9 to 9.30, and then we went up to, to an hour where we had callers. They would, you know, call in, and we would kind of coach live, you know, if we could, and discuss some of the issues, and that was during the time when you did not talk about 
male sexual abuse out in public. Yes, we were breaking a lot of the not only stereotypes and stigmas that were out there. And I remember I remember that that show. So that that was fun, too. But, you know, in, in some arenas and areas that that uh, kind of gave me the label you know, of a pariah. So people didn't want to touch me. Uh, so uh, so it's been a lot. There's been a lot going through this journey, but excited that we're still here. So I'm excited about male survivors uh, this year. How are you going to progress? How are you going to move forward? What steps are you going to take towards moving forward? And of course, this is the time of the year, right, where we're talking about, of course, people talk about New Year's, you know, resolutions and those different type of things. Well, so this year to celebrate, I'm telling you guys what I'm doing. And if you've gone up to the website, you've already seen it because it's already up. And that's the SP4M, which stands for Safe Place for Men. I thought I'd get a little acronym because it's just easier. SP4M um, project this year is called This Is Your Life. Are you who you want to be? And if you're out there, you're like, oh, you probably started this around the early 2000s. Yes. And so if that's the case, you kind of know where this actually, you know, comes from. And you'll probably remember the song. I think it was Swift Foot or Switch Foot, right? Don't close your eyes. Yes, taking it back to the early 2000s. So that's what this year's project is called. This is your life. Are you who you want to be? All right. And so that's what we're going to be working on. So if you go up to the website, what you will notice is this. You will notice it says this year celebrating 20 years of coaching male survivors. And then underneath there's a little button that says limited seats available for some free coaching sessions. Yes. And so, you know, it's always about, you know, I'm always about giving back. And you guys know that's just part of me. It goes back, of course, and as I told you guys many times before, it comes down to that Roman adage. Um, and remember, it was that when you were coming into a city, you know, at, they would have the gates there and people would be sitting out whatever in front of the gates, either it'd be asking for money or whatever. But if there was someone there at the, at the gates and they had an affliction that you had had previously before, but now you were well or whole, then it was your obligation to tell them what you did in order to become whole, to become well again. Right. And that's kind of the principle that is on my, that's on my head. Right. And so all the stuff that I do, it's one of the things I share with you, the things that I have experienced and others have experienced, the things that we have, you know, used that have helped us to make us whole because everything is not the same for everyone. Everything doesn't work the same. You know, for somebody, it might be, you know, CBT for another person, um, you know, it might be whatever sound frequency, whatever therapy or, you know, um, EDMR, whatever it is. But like I said, this is your life. Are you who you want to be? So I'm going to be giving out some free coaching sessions. Now, of course, as my economics teacher always told me in college, he says nothing is totally free. And that is true. Some Everything costs something for someone. And so for this one, maybe it's not financial uh, that you will be dealing with. 
But I will tell you, if you want to be part of this and you want to get the free coaching session, you will have to at least be willing to give up part of your anonymity, like your first name. I need to know your first name so I can refer to you by your, your first name. And then be able to like just show your, your avatar, whatever, a picture of yourself. We're going to actually do some things where uh, hopefully we're going to have a group of guys and we're going to be coming together, maybe virtually, and just talking about some issues and stuff. But like I said, this is your life. Are you who you want to be? And we'll be discussing whatever certain certain topics. Um, and so if you sign up for that topic and you're there and we're going to discuss it, we're going to record it uh, just so that other people can you know hear it, see it, that type of stuff then you'll be eligible for a free coaching session. All right, so there's qualifications. But anyway, if you think you're interested in this year's project or one of this year's projects, because I've got some other ones that are coming up, um, this is your life. Are you who you want to be? Then go up to the website, safeplaceformen.com. Click on that where it says limited seats available, free coaching session. Fill out the form. It'll send you an email and give you all the qualifications and things that are needed. And if you fit it and you're ready to go, all right, then we will figure out the dates and stuff and you can be part of that project. So just similar kind of like the, the 30 days of our stories project, it's going to be something similar to that. So those of you that maybe benefited from, you know, those guys that were willing to come on live and, podcast it so that they can share their story so they can help and encourage you this is part of that roman that roman adage uh that i totally believe in and when i'm coaching um i ask people to even con consider that all right so that's what that kind of looks like so new year's resolutions now of course i'm just going to give you an, an idea i don't I try not to do New Year's resolutions. These are things I just try to do in my life all the time. So I'm just going to give you a quick tip here. So you're going to get a little coaching here from me. Um, you get some free coaching, actually. <laughs> We're talking about, uh, I'm going to say moving in the direction that you want to go. There's three things I think that you need to have. Okay. So if I were coaching you, I would say intention, commitment, and goals. Okay. Intention commitment, and goals. You know, I, re I remember someone, they had said um, intention, because intention is the first part. And they said, you know, intention is like drawing a map of where you wish to go. Because what happens, is it becomes the driving force behind your goals and your visions. Okay, so goals and stuff is not first, but it's the intention. So without an intention, it's like there is no map and you're just driving down the road with no destination in mind. So that's why intention I'm going to say is going to be the, the first thing. If you're, if you're talking about the things that you want to change. And that said, when we think about intentions, intentions can't be forced. Okay. So intentions, when you set them, you can't set an intention that you actually don't believe in. So that's really going to be important. Now, when you're creating your intentions, here's some things to think about. One, keep it positive. Okay. As much as possible, keep it positive. Make sure that it is an intention that is flexible, an intention that can evolve. Because if not, you're going to get bored. Okay. So it has to be an intention that uh, can adjust, an intention that is flexible. The next thing about your intention is you need to aim for short term. 
Okay, so I'm going to say short-term intentions. Now, you have the big picture, okay? So you're thinking about the long-term, what this is going to look like, where you want it to take you. But during this road, you got to have those short-term because it just works better. It works better when you have those short intentions, okay? Because what happens is they become like milestone markers. And the great thing about milestone markers, which is one reason that I always encourage my, my clients when I'm working with them to have milestone markers is it gives you reference points. Okay. So you can look back and see, wow, I've covered like five, okay, five milestones. So what does that mean? Well, if I can cover five, that means I can probably cover the next five. Okay. So that's why those are important. And so you're just going to, you're going to start out. You can start out with a piece of paper and just start writing out stuff. I intend to whatever. Okay. So dot, 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 whatever you intend, whatever your intentions are that you're going to start set, just start writing them out first. I intend to. Now, if you're going to move that intention to the next level, then it's going to be commitment. Okay. And so I think of commitment as intention squared or cubed. Okay. Um, I don't know if there's one for Penta, um, Penta, whatever, five. But that means that your intention when we're talking about commitment is not just lip service. It means that your intention, because it's a commitment, is not a wish, but it's a hope. Okay. Now, hope, hope is composed of two components. And I know you guys have heard me say this before. It's composed of desire plus expectation. So when you hope for something, there's a desire for it, plus there's a serious, real expectation that it's going to happen. And the reason that it's going to happen is because you're doing whatever is necessary to breathe it into reality. Okay, so that's why when we talk about commitment, when we talk about hope, it's that desire plus the expectation. I'm expecting to get something out of this because I'm doing all the things necessary to breathe reality into it. And so that means when we're talking about commitment, one, you need to go all in. Okay. And so take the plunge. And what I mean by that is there's going to be risk. Okay. So just say for a example, you're like, okay, I intend to, I want to really do, this is your life, who, who you are. You want to be whatever project with Thomas this year. Okay. That's a nice intention, but are you going to be committed is there a desire to do it? And then there's an expectation that you're going to do it and you're going to do what's necessary to breathe reality into that tension. Okay, so go all in. Are you going to honor your word? That's what commitment also means. Are you going to accept the responsibility? Hey, you know what? Thomas, I said I was going to be there. So are you going to be there? Are you going to honor your word? Are you going to expect the best? And then are you going to make yourself vulnerable? Okay, are you going to be honest and are you going to be transparent? Because I'm going to ask you when we're doing this project, this is your life. I need survivors who are honest and transparent. Okay. So if we're, you know, dealing with stuff, that's fine. Then we talk about it. We, we say it. Okay. So promoting that vulnerability. And then after you've got that, so you've got your intention, you've got your commitment, then you have your goals. Okay. Now goals are important. Okay. But notice they're at the end. Okay, they're at the end. Now, if you were working with me, I would tell you we've got three types of, of goals. We've got process goals, we have performance goals, and then we have what we're going to get our outcome goals. 
Process goals are simply this, and everyone has probably seen this little, um, you know, acronym or whatever they call it, SMART, right? SMART goals, right? That to be specific, measurable, uh, you know, attainable, um, timely, and uh, I think reliable, whatever the R is. But that's a process, okay? So that's the process that we're taking whatever the goal through, okay? So that's the process goal. Performance. When we're talking about performance, performance means that whatever my goal is, it needs to be inspiring. It needs to be believable. It needs to be actable. Okay. Because that's about executing and performance. Okay. And so you want your goals to be inspiring. You want them to be believable because if you don't believe in them, no one else is going to. Okay. And then of course the outcome, the outcome is this dream versus reality are we going to get the results? So the outcome that's actually going to happen and take place. All right. So that's my little thing there on the whole idea of new year resolutions, wherever you fall in that, take it and use it. If you can use it, if you got a system that works for you, then use that system, <laughs> whatever works for you, use it. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk a, a little bit today. Oh my goodness. Well, okay. Anyway, I got a little time left. We'll, we'll go over. So I'm going to talk a little bit because this has been, uh, this has come up for some reason. I don't know, maybe the, the universal stars or celestial bodies are in alignment, but for the past couple of months, and then even just like, um, on new year's day, I was on online and what I was doing is, you know, sending out my weekly tweets and contemplative memes for the week on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you're not on those, you can go up to the website, of course, and sign up for those also. And so while I'm doing that, someone pings me and they pings me, they ping me about um, a, a loved one who was sexually abused as a, a child by a female perpetrator. And they're like, oh, I don't know. You know, I don't know what to do. I'm really trying to help this person. Do you have any advice or anything, you know, that you can help me with? And I was like, oh, wow, this is timely because, you know, for the past, I could say past uh, about six weeks, whatever, been working with someone specifically, whatever, on this and this is considered reenactment. Okay, so I was like, wow, this must be reenactment month because I'm getting all these requests and stuff or, or talking about this. All right. And so as she was explaining the things to me, and I noticed as she was sharing, I'm like, wow, these things, her experience, okay, of the person that she's trying to whatever help or, or deal with in this relationship, seems like they're experiencing destructive reenactment strategies. Whoa. Okay. So I'm like, you know what? So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. So that's what we're going to talk about when I'm reenactment. So when we're talking about understanding, you know, reenactment, it's really important for us to know, I'm going to say the origins, because uh, when we're trying to understand the origins of reenactment, sometimes they can leave us quite confused, you know, and what happens is sometimes survivors, they're actually actively, reenacting past traumas as a way to actually try to master them. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you, however, you know, in, in my encounters and coaching, the, the reenactment often incurs, I'm going to say unknowingly, inadvertently, or maybe even subconsciously it's underneath that conscious level. And then oftentimes I've noticed that there is some type of um, emotional vulnerability and defensive coping strategies. There are characteristics to, um, the survivor's um, trauma and why they're actually reenacting. 
All right. Now I'm not going to try and get to, I'm going to try and keep it whatever the level. Someone told me they're like, uh, Thomas, we, we love your podcast, but sometimes you go into whatever this, you know, psychological using all these words and stuff and we have no idea what they, <laughs> what they mean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I try not to, uh, to do that because I know, I remember even when I was in uh, grad school and, and uh, doing psychology and I was like, okay, professor, we have all these terms, but how are we going to break these down to our clients? And so uh, I get it. So this is what we're going to do. Consider this your wake up call. Boom. What was that? Me dropping some knowledge on you. All right. So Thomas, we're going to drop some knowledge for you. Okay. So in my encounters in coaching, say many individuals, what we said before is that actually they subconsciously recreate or I'm going to say um, they repetitively relive the trauma of their past abuse. Now that's how, well, that's what I'm calling as reenactment. Okay. So the survivor, the individual, maybe they're subconsciously recreating and they're repetitively reliving the trauma of their past uh, abuse. Okay. I'm going to call that reenactment. Okay. Now it's interesting. Even when we look at the, the research on this, um, Fortunately, we do have some research, but most of it's been for women, right? Because guys, as far as researching male survivors of sexual abuse, it hasn't been out on the forefront. But when they did some of the example, what they found was that women who were sexually abused as children were more likely to be physically or sexually abused in their marriages. Okay, so they were working with spouses, I remember, so I'm, I'm going to go into one of actually my coaching sessions with an individual. So I remember one survivor and uh, he is what you call, he breathed and he lived in the corporate space. Okay. Which I can relate to because that's part of where I came from. Um, so he came to me for some actually leadership and development coaching. And um, since he acknowledged, you know, his abuse and he had already done some therapy, he had already done some work. He wanted a coach who specifically worked with male survivors and was a male survivor. So he was having issues finding his voice during corporate meetings and uh, meetings. And so the problem was kind of like, you know, speaking up or, or having confidence during these meetings. And so what we did, we, we dove, you know, a little bit into whatever his current circumstances, what were going on, you know, what was taking place in the meetings, those different type of things. And so then I asked him for permission. I said, you know, um, man, it seems like there might be a little bit more. Is it okay? Or do you have my permission if we talk maybe a little bit about um, past, maybe some past things, right? Because usually we're just talking about, you know, the future or the present and then the future. But sometimes we have to go back and, and talk about those things in the past. Cause I said, it seems to me that there's some possible current mindsets, some gremlins, some inner critics um, that are emanating from some old assumptions and some old beliefs that might be stuck in there. Okay. So we did, and of course, working through some processes and stuff. And so what we discovered was that 20 years later, he was in a more, I'm going to say, a safe, passive form of actually reenacting those core principles of his sexual abuse. Okay. So now his perpetrator was female. And so the old belief, the old assumptions, the, the generalizations, subconsciously, 
that he embraced was that around women that his voice didn't matter. His voice would not be respected. His voice would not be listened to. Okay. And in this case, the person who was above him was female. Okay. So he, these, this, these beliefs, these old assumptions have been generated from his abuse scenario. And he was experiencing, I'm going to say, um, devastating, destructively affecting his life today in the, in the current time. So that's what was coaching. And I remember he said, he says, man, he says, the, um, this reenactment of self-sabotage, he says, it's like I was addicted to the trauma. He's like, I kept doing it over and over and over, but I really wasn't realizing that I was doing it. Okay. And of course he found that out when we started doing the coaching because I'm sitting there and I'm listening and I'm hearing these patterns and that's why I'm saying, can we dive a little bit deeper into this? Because this keeps, this keeps coming up. And that's, of course, what he was able to pour out. So, you know, during the, the coaching sample, uh, during the coaching session, I'm just simply armed with, okay, so how am I going to help him? And so I said, okay, so I'm going to arm you with what we call breaking resistant strategy techniques. It's like, well, what's that? I'm like, this is a thing that we use in, in coaching, right? And so I said, but your first what we're going to have to do, we're going to have to identify, we're going to have to neutralize, and then we're going to have to create the outcome that you want, right? And so now it's no longer a reenactment issue because that's what we did. And of course, that's one of the reasons why I enjoy coaching, 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 because it gives me the opportunity to take those years of all the stuff that I've learned, the experience, and to help survivors find viable solution. All right. Now, here we go again. Now, this is going to get just a little bit more. Consider this your wake-up call. Boom! What was that? Me dropping some knowledge on you. Okay, so I'm going to drop a little bit more knowledge on you. I'm going to just take you back um, with me just a little bit. And like I said, I'm trying not to get too techie. All right, but you're back with me, and we're sitting back in graduate psychology class, okay? And so we're hearing things like, this we're hearing things like um, reenactment. Reenactment can be a spontaneous behavior of repetition of post-traumatic events. All right, so our I'm about to lose power here, guys. Better cook in. My computer is about to go dead. Oh, there we go. Okay. So we're sitting, we're sitting in class, and we hear this thing, and our professor says that oh, reenactment can be spontaneous behavior repetitions of past trauma events. And we're like, what in the world does that mean? It just simply means this, that possibly we never remembered whatever the traumatic event was, so we're unconscious about it. It means that possibly we never verbalized, okay, the traumatic event. And this just simply means that as survivors, we might be expressing um, those internal states via physical actions rather than words. Okay, so acting out, right? So the stuff is there. Um, maybe we haven't addressed it yet, but it's coming out in some way. Now, it's interesting because one thought is that when individuals don't remember or acknowledge whatever the past uh, traumatic event, that they actually may experience what's called a compulsive obligatory biological urgency. <laughs> 
I love the way we we turn. I'm sorry, guys. The way we turn these things up sometime in layman's terms, it just simply means this: if it's in there, eventually it'll come out in some form of another. Okay, so but if not, you can go up to the person if you want to say, "Oh yeah, you're experiencing compulsive obligatory biological urgencies." Okay, but anyway. That's kind of when we're talking about that. If it's in there, eventually it's going to come out in some form or another. And so what this looks like from, I'm going to say from a coach and client perspective is the survivor comes to me because he has challenges in achieving mastery, let's just say, in certain areas of his life, his business, his career, his relationships. And so he's attempting to achieve, I'm going to say, mastery. But the problem is he's using maladaptive strategies and processes that are destructive and sabotaging. Okay. And so then what happens is, is that he ends up continually pretty much re-victimizing and re-traumatizing himself. All right. So from a coaching perspective, my insight is this, the reenactment. Now, like I said, this is my, right. So I'm not diagnosing you or anything. So the reenactment often, it really is not spontaneous, okay, even though that was the definition we had said before, but it's more of a learned behavior and mindset um, that's developed or introduced during the past traumatic or abuse event. All right, so I just told you I'm speaking from firsthand experience, okay, so as a coach, um, learning how to use, I'm going to say, breaking resistance strategies has been extremely helpful for me personally and then also working with survivors. Okay, and so that's the kind of the stuff that we cover in coaching. That's the stuff we cover, you know, in the workshops. And like I said, that's because I believe that old Roman adage, right? So if you've overcome or you've been healed, whatever of the disease, it's your responsibility to share with others what worked for you. Right. And so that's one reason you always hear me say you've got to take the risk. You've got to be open to find out what works for you. I remember I had a, one client and they had came to me and they wanted to, to work with me. And that's because they had um, tried the or their therapist for them had say, OK, let's try the uh, EMDR. And if you don't know what that is, that's just eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And so that's what the therapist, you know, recommended. So he was doing that. But what he noticed is that it was actually sending him into a downward spiral of depression, hypervigilance and what he what he labeled as paranoia. Now, I said, OK, I'm not a therapist, dude. <laughs> All right. So I can't I can't diagnose you or anything. That's not my job. Right. That's above if you want to say my pay scale or scope, whatever practice. I'm going to say how. Ever, I'm saying, soliciting from my own experience. And I asked him one question. I says, do you happen to have partial or full memory or auditory recall? And he said, yes. Okay. And so I said, well, that might present some challenges because I've noticed from my 20 years of working with survivors and, and doing with this, that survivors who have excellent recall or similar to photographic memory often have the same complaint when it talks about using EMDR. Okay. And so I said, so what do I do when they come to me with those issues? I say, so then what I do is we use what's known as dispatching and engagement coaching strategies. Right. And so that's what I did. And that actually worked for 
him. Right. And so that's why I say it's important to realize you've got to be open to, you know, trying different things, taking risk. But you know what? He had the intention. He knew what his intention was. He was committed. Right. And then we started working it there within the goals. All right, guys, I've already gone over the time. I've known I'm like 10 minutes over. But hey, this is the new year. Not saying that I'm going to, um, you know, practice bad habits here, but it's the new year. I guess I had a lot to, to say on this first Thursday, you know, of the year. But I'm so, like I said, so glad, so happy to, to be back here. And you guys know where that's where that's where that's coming from. So, you know, it is happy birthday. All right, guys. So, guys. I'm going to leave with happy birthday as I continue to celebrate here. And I hope you'll celebrate with me this year. Also, this is 2021. What are you going to create? How are you going to progress? How are you going to move forward? Well, if safe place for men is a place that you can do that, we are here for you. All right, guys, be safe. Know you are loved. And remember, you're not alone.